You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Thanks to Sana Skin Studio for supporting the No Podcast. Sana is a skin studio that is shifting the relationship with your skin and your products through goal-driven facials, real guidance, and clean skincare. Stay tuned for our promo code so you can receive $25 off of your first facial at Sana Skin Studio. Welcome to the No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to The Know, and I am your hostess, Nikki Spo. I'm excited for you all to hear today's conversation with Nancy Jarecki. Nancy Jarecki is the innovator behind the multiple award-winning company, Betty Beauty Inc. And today we are going to talk about how to scale and sell your startup, overcoming personal challenges, tips for breaking boundaries in the beauty space, who sets the standards of beauty for women and how this affects us, and self-confidence. Join me for this fun and insightful combo with Nancy Jarecki. Let's get started. Nancy, hello. Welcome to The Know, where we pride ourselves on not necessarily knowing everything, but coming to know ourselves. So welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm I'm so excited to chat with you about your very impressive life that you've lived. And to give our friends and listeners a little background, you were instrumental in the development and launch of two major cable networks, Movie Time and E Entertainment Television. Also, Movie Phones sale to AOL, and you are the innovator behind Betty Beauty Inc. It really has been a wonderful learning experience for me. Well, I want to hear all about it. And before we get into the meat and potatoes of our chat, where we'll be giving our listeners big tips on how to scale and sell a startup, um, which I myself will be taking notes on, um, and breaking boundaries in the beauty space, give us some of your backstory. You grew up in Kansas, went to art school in Texas, and moved to LA to pursue a career as an artist. And then what? Well, it's interesting. I'm one of those stories where I went to college I quit school because there was an opportunity in LA and it happened to work out. And uh, so I did, I grew up in a very small town in Kansas, was always kind of that resourceful person where there's stuff out there. I I just know I don't have my hands on it because I'm in a small town. Uh, My parents kind of knew that I was going to outgrow the town and probably outgrow the state a little bit. So they suggest- I love that, that your parents knew that about you. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. That's so great. <laughs> and, you know, and I had a really good head on my shoulder. I wasn't kind of this naive getting off the pumpkin patch or the turnip, you know, truck. You know, coming from a small town, my parents didn't want me to go to New York. Mm. You know, oh, well, let's just, you know, let's just have some- boundaries here so they you said, could die in new york city right like <laughs> they, they, have guns, you know? <laughs> they have guns right and so um so the south was a good place to go what i did was i found a great art school 
that had an opportunity to get to Cooper Union for a internship in New York City. Okay. So, you were like, oh, but there's this yeah, way around. I can like, work right. around this. You know, and so um, I ended up getting into this school. And within, you know, a few months, I thought I was going to be a designer, clothing designer. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, me too, Nancy. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I went to the Art Institute for Fashion Design. Yeah, like, exactly. I thought, yeah. <laughs> um, little did I know that you needed to know fractions really well. I just wanted to create. And it just came out that there was the studio class that I was taking and a professor was like, wow, I really like how you're painting. It's abstract. And he was throwing out some of these names of artists and I kind of knew some of them. Rauschenberg I knew. And he goes, have you ever thought about pursuing, you know, art? And I'm like, well, get me to New York. <laughs> get me to New York. And he goes, you know, there is a, an exchange program with Cooper Union um, and so I literally was barely 18 and he said he would sponsor me if I submitted to going to Cooper Union. I, your parents are like, God, no, 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 they didn't really. Yeah. What's great, what's great is they didn't really know, but it was like a great thing to get. Yeah. So at 18, I am in New York city and this would be, I'm going to date myself, but this was, you know, early eighties. Right. And of course I have read and you know, everything that there is to read. Also, back in the day, I could get on one of the channels, channels, Elsa, which was like this old fashion show in New York. I forgot what her name is. She just, you know, she just died. And I would watch that. And you would find out about, you know, the, uh, you know, the designers in the, the, the fashion district, but you also learned about like clubs. So in my reading, I knew about, uh, uh, the Palladium. I knew about area. I knew about these these clubs, and so I would get my friends that also came with me from Texas, uh, uh, and we would go to these clubs. And so I and I wasn't a partier. I was just so curious. And I think curiosity is probably one of the best things about starting a company. I think it's one of the best components uh, of of understanding a product. What is the product? Are people using it? If I have a curiosity about it, other people must, but it's kind of like this wonderful trait to have. And, you know, you know, not everybody is like that today. They're, they're kind of like, I just want to start a business and, and uh, sell it. Money. Right. Yeah. And it's, you gotta be in it inside I make it, you know, to, you know, this private VIP area, the Michael Todd room. And there's, David Bowie, there is Boy George. And I'm like, oh my God, this is great. And so I'm just, so I'm very happy. And I, I was not very, very happy. You're like, I'm very happy in this moment. I mean, I'm very happy in this moment. And I really learned a lot. And and having those opportunities that you don't even know that they're opportunities, yeah. you grab them. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm getting you chills. grab them. And I met... At those nights, I met these two guys from L.A. We become friends. And those people were in L.A. And they, too, were starting out in the entertainment business. So I'm come to New York, So I'm in New York. I do this little internship. I then go down. And I go, you know, for about a year, almost two years, uh, to uh, this fashion school, an art school. And then a friend of mine is uh uh he was in medical school and he got a grant 
to go to UCLA uh, and they were flying him out there. And he goes, hey, I have a ticket. And I go, I've got two friends. <laughs> and so I'm going. And I end up going. And I had met this couple who had a fashion uh, uh, a, a fashion company. And when I was talking to them, I thought, you know what's needed for my age group? Companies like Trim and Bal- you know, Trim and Quicksilver were kind of what I focused at. And they kind of focused in the JCPenney older people. And I thought, well, that's not a need that I know. Have you guys ever thought about doing a younger line? And they're like, well, you know, and people could just kind of settle with what they're used to. And the wife had said, well, you know, we kind of thought about that. We kind of have an, a, an idea for a designer. And I said, well, how about I do some, you know, some, you know, some artwork for what would be kind of like this, you know, trendy youth line. And they're like, are you saying that you want a job? I'm like, yeah, I quit school. I moved to LA. I worked for this company and with, and I still had the two friends that I'd met in New York. We're all friends. They then introduced me around and I immediately meet a couple people and they have this idea for a show, which back then cable had not really started yet. And they had this idea for a content show that was all about movies and, uh, and behind the scenes based on the early press kits that you could get from the studios. So what they needed was a young person. MTV had been out for a couple of years. They kind of wanted to use the MTV model, but with video jockeys about this entertainment content. And I kind of had done, done my thing with this company and it was, you know, they call them startups. Now we did not call it a startup back then. So it was probably maybe eight of us that decided to work to, you know, launch this idea. We called it movie time. And it was really the brainchild of these two guys, Alan and Larry. And all of us were kind of like these young scrappy kids that we took, you know, a building that was like in West Hollywood uh, or uh, in East Hollywood that was kind of sketchy. And we really did it on a shoestring. And from there is what we came up with movie time where we had four VJs. One happened to be, you know, Greg Kinnear, Julie Moran. Our, uh, our celebrity was uh, Richard Blade, who was the Ryan Seacrest in the eighties. And we, you know, we just knew that we had kind of what I call a widget and that is content that people would be interested in. And we just kind of plugged along. I was in charge of the creative aspect of it. They basically were like, can you make this look cool? Can you do graphics? Can you do the 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 staging, the 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 uh, the studio? And so you just kind of think, okay, what do you think is cool? Well, at the time, Pee Wee's Playhouse it was really popular. I couldn't do MTV because that was already done. So if there's things that are already done, if you can launch off of something like that that you like but not copy and and I thought shoot you know what I'm going to find out who does Pee-wee's Playhouse and it's this guy Jeremy Relton and here I am I'm barely I'm now 20 almost 21 and I have a meeting with him we have no money but we have and a lot of it is the enthusiasm and and 
and very confident. And that's where I'm going to let a little secret out where I still say it today. You fake it till you make it. And it was one of those, like, I have never had a conversation with an established scene, uh, scene designer. Um, and here I am talking to this guy and he basically was like, sounds like you guys might be on to something. And I'm not a finger pointer. One of the things that I'm, I'm finding is too many people rely on other people to do things and they, they just can't execute what you have in your head. So you end up wasting time, redoing it, trying to explain, no, that's not really what I wanted. But if you can execute it yourself and create a platform or, uh, you know, a template for what your thoughts and design are, uh, or it can be with the product. It can be with what I call a widget. It's a product, it's a, you know, television show. It's whatever uh, a, a widget might be to get it out to the people. But when you see how a business comes from zero you really pay attention. And I think that's one thing that I had very good trait. Another trait was just focus, mm -hmm. focus. Okay. And I saw how he ran things we would do. I was part of what is pretty exciting. And this is where I'll talk about this some more, but just to touch base, we knew we had something, but we had to find out if other people would want it. Mm -hmm. And we knew Pretty much nobody wants to wait around the, the street right. for, uh, but, ha but how much would you be willing to pay extra not to do that? Right. So we would do like these fake marketing. <laughs> um, we'd get like uh, buttons, pin buttons that said, you know, national American marketing. And we'd have um, clipboards and we would talk to people in the lines and that's one of the biggest fake it till you oh make it. Oh, my gosh. And so, <laughs> yeah, we would do street. Well, you're getting data, but you're getting data. Yes. yes. And it's exactly. And, I, I, and I, now we can send like a MailChimp survey to people and they're going to fill out data. Like I just received one yesterday because I take my little kids to like a play gym. Right. Yeah, and yeah. they're like, we're, I get a, an email from them and they send a survey and they're like, which times work best for yeah. your two year old? And all these parents are filling out those things. Like, but now everything is digitized. Right. But back then, like, it was not no, digitized. Was, if you wanted data, you had to go out and get that data yeah, yourself. Yeah, it, yeah. No. And it's true. And we learned so much. But that's where the hard work, you can't sit at home and Google things, guys. You can't. You know, right now it is true. I'm actually writing a book on a separate subject and I had started it and now it is research based. And so I am in business with three different focus groups that do monkey survey, a couple others, uh, just finding out. And to me, it's like, wow, that's incredible. When I did start Betty, um, I did use a lot of focus groups. I had to go to a company because we didn't have access. Right. Which we are going to talk about Betty in a little bit, but I also want to make clear that when we're talking about like this service with the movies, we're talking about movie phone, right? So yes, like anybody in my right. generation, yes. right. So my generation, you know, like I grew up in movie phone was happening. What in the nineties? Yes. Yeah. I was in middle school. I'll never forget it. And I think it's fascinating to hear about things, how they, how they, 
Like having an opportunity to talk to somebody like you, Nancy, that you started before things were so easy. Like not that they're, not that they're easy now, but like they're accessible now. Yeah. Things are a lot more accessible than they were when you were doing them. So I think it's like so important to go back to these fundamentals, right? The fundamentals. 100%. Like I said, there are some great things about being on the internet and getting information. Totally. It's another thing just showing up. Yes. It, so it really is. I cannot stress that. And you know what? The telephone is probably one of the biggest distractions ever. It can be a good thing. You know, for instance, I, I, I speak at some of these youth CEO uh, uh, organizations where I, I say, this can either be your friend, the phone can either be your friend, or it can be your enemy. When you're working a job, you are to be paying attention. So I, I created a scenario where you're working at a job and it's a retail job. And if you're on your phone, you're not watching your customer. And you could be thinking, okay, you know, the owner, let's say the owner of, uh, of the retail business is, is wondering, well, I wonder why the little widgets up on the, on the counter aren't selling. And you as a retail, as, as a hired person, you have every opportunity to wonder where is it they're they're walking off to and buying and and it's a perfect example that if you're on your phone and you're not watching it then you're missing out on huge opportunities of information one to tell your boss hey i got an idea i'd like to move these other widgets over on the counter i'd like to move these you know because what happens is those people and especially now where retailers or bosses are like, I need smart young people. I need people who are focused. And I think that's one of the biggest things is people have lost focus. And one of the deterrents or one of the problems is the phone. Totally. And like, it, it's so hard because a lot of business is done on your phone, you know? So it's it easy. Is. It's easy it, to get distracted, right? It, like, so it can be your, it can be an advantage and it can also be a huge advantage. Like, and just from a parenting standpoint, like I work a lot from my phone, right? So I work, I run my business from my phone. I record my podcasts on my computer and the rest of it is like digital stuff, right? And I'm my own boss of, of, of my business, right? Okay. Then I'm with my kids. I have three kids, a, a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a nine-week-old. So if I'm with my children and I'm on my phone. You know who's the CEO of my company? You know who's the boss of my family is the children. The children, they're my boss. Like if I'm not watching them, like so I'm turning what you're saying into like a parenting analogy. If I'm not watching them, I'm unable to collect data mm -hmm. about what they need, right? So Absolutely. to your point that like the phone can be your friend or your enemy, like it's spot on and we don't need to be distracted. In either yeah. one of those moments. And I think people miss out on good opportunities for invention because we're not focused on behavioral uh, aspects of people. Um, um, if, if you're sitting, let's go back to the retail situation. People are picking up a little widget and they're like, God, I wish this widget had a little mirror on it. Well, you're thinking to yourself, oh, that is a great idea. I wonder how you're right. And there's been a few comments about this widget and it needs, boy, they've really talked about that a lot. And 
there's another thing that people don't know. There's a convention for anything. So if you're thinking, okay, here's a widget. Let's say it's a, uh, uh, it's a concealer. Okay. And people are picking it up, but it's, and they're thinking, God, I like the shape of this, but I wish it had a mirror. I'm just, how do you break down doing a cosmetic, a piece of cosmetic, uh, uh, a, uh, uh, a concealer? It could be actually, you know what? I want to make a new pair of vegan shoes. People love these shoes, but they don't like leather. Another widget, another, well, I've heard comments, 10 people say, I wish these, these weren't leather. If it's a shoe, if it's a cosmetic uh, 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 product, you can literally Google conventions, cosmetics, leather, shoes. Uh, if you want to come up with, you know, a lawn product, a new type of sprinkler, you really, really can find a place. And it's probably one of the best things to invest is a plane ticket, a cheap plane ticket somewhere. Usually it's Vegas. Usually it's New York. And you just start to grab the convention resources. You go and talk to people. They will scan your tag and you will start to collect who would now might be potentially your vendors or just information. Because these people are there to help you, to teach you. But they also want your business. And a lot of times they will help you out at no cost thinking that you might have the next big thing. Who are these people? These are oh, people. I understand. These, oh, when you go to a, like there's um, uh, at the Javits Center in New York City, there's mm -hmm. the packaging, cosmetic, uh, uh, gift shop uh, okay. packaging. And there's also the cosmetics where they make cosmetics or the okay. raw materials. So when I we, went, are, when you refer to Vegas, are you referring to like the magic show? Yeah, that would be for clothing. Yes, for absolutely. Clothing. So, 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 okay. So just to clarify for our listeners, what you're sure. talking about, like when you say take a, a hopefully exp inexpensive plane ticket somewhere, you're talking about go to these conventions, go yes. to these, like where there's going to be hundreds of if not thousands Hundreds. of retailers and and um, product manufacturers Horses, at your wholesalers, 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 all of this. Like if you're really trying to get your feet wet in this in, in yes. a industry, find where they are having that convention yes. and go to it and yes. gather information. Yeah, that's 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 the soundbite there. What what I have found, I just went. I have another idea uh, that I'm developing and. I'm, I'm resourcing raw materials and it's another cause it's an, it's a cosmetic product. And you know what? There is a raw material, uh, uh, ingredients at the Javits center. So I don't, I kind of know what I want, but I'm not sure. I kind of broke it down based on what I think I can do. And I just went there and I talked to as many people. Do you know about the hybrid hyper, you know, high tides number 10? And I kind of know, but then you learn so much and they will right. talk to you. But Nancy, I think that you're onto something. And I think that this is something that really my demographic of listeners, you know, I, I have a very, a pretty equal split between like the 25 to 35 age range and the 30, 35 to 45 age range, right? Like that's my big chunk of listeners. And I feel like it's so important for people in my age group, um, especially like moms who are starting businesses and even like younger people who are, you know, have entrepreneurial spirits to like really remember about 
the work that goes into the success story, you know, because, because of Instagram, because of social media, everything looks like a success story. Exactly. So like we've, it's easy to like, think it's like these college kids who come out of work and like out of school and they're like, well, I want to get paid this much. You're like, whoa, like we got to start somewhere. I think it's so important to drive these messages home. And I think for even seasoned business owners, it's a great refresher. You know, like even when you're talking about like your, your retail, your retail example about like having your salesperson in the store, like what they should be looking for, you know, and this is, this has a lot to do with mentorship for existing business owners that could benefit from this information. This conversation is so good, but before we keep going, I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors, Sana Skin Studio. The best way for me to describe Sana is that it feels like coming home. Unlike traditional facials, Sana's facials are rooted in education, and I love this so much. Every experience I've had at Sana has been a chance to learn more about my skin and its needs. I love that the facials are effective while also being accessible enough to be a monthly ritual rather than a yearly splurge. I'm honored to be able to provide our audience with a promo code. Use the code THENOGLOW for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. So let's talk about your taboo, your taboo product, Betty Beauty. So we're living in Rome and we take our two boys. I'm sitting in a hair salon and I'm just kind of watching people and just to watch the Italians is, you know, is great. And they are getting their hair done, going up to pay. And their colorist is coming from behind and giving them like a little baggie of something, a little sack. And I thought, they're like, oh, that's, and they seem so happy about it. And I'm like, well, that's sweet. Oh, you get like a little goodie bag. And so I saw this happening. And then again, curiosity, what is in the bag? I ask, you know, the receptionist and she just kind of looks at me 
And she, and very proudly, she goes in Italian, she basically says, oh, is the color for the hair, parlea, for the hair down there to match? <laughs> and I'm like, wait, it's extra color for, and she goes, oh, yes. For pubic hair. For, yes. To make, yes. It, and also that's another thing too is, you know, I'm so trained now not to say pubic because of my marketing for the product where it is pubic hair dye. I can tell, say it is now. It's come out in the press. that is pubic hair dye. Yes. <laughs> you know, but so I thought if they're doing it here, they're, they must be doing it everywhere. But I don't know about it in the United States. So come back to the United States or we did our two years there. We come back. I then hire, I, I call Barnard College really smart girls there. I hire a couple girls and I go, guys, we're going to figure out a cryptic questionnaire and you guys have to figure out how to get it to 300 salons throughout the United States. And they did. And we worked on it. We asked, do you do hair color? Yes. How often do you do someone's roots? Uh, do you uh, wax eyebrows? Do you wax the bikini? Have you ever, do you also dye eyebrows? We got back these questionnaires and the majority of them said, yes, we get asked all the colorists that we get asked all the time. Gray I'm hair. I'm going to text my colorist right now. You know that? I'm going to be like, hey, Jen, Jen, has anybody ever asked you for color for hair down there? I'm going to text her that today. Huh. She's going to be so excited when she listens to the episode because she's going to be like, she totally texted me. <laughs> right, right now. <laughs> and so I thought, Wow. There is, you know, and everyone always said, oh, yeah, you, you know, does the drapes match the, the, the drapes match the carpet with like blondes? Is she a true blonde? So I thought, what? If, and there was nothing like it. There was like a little bit of bleach cream that like Marilyn Monroe and like Playboy people used to use, you know, because everyone still had hair up until the hair removal, you know, craze, you know, happened, which was also an obstacle, but I got through that. The obstacles for doing it and the, our, our survey said that salons couldn't do it because of the liability that it could be dangerous. Sure. So I'm like, I get it. Well, there's already an existing hair color. Okay. Yeah. One, it's runny, not for down there, but just let's no, just- No, no, in general. So it's too runny. It smells. No one's ever going to put that down there. You couldn't because it's going to seep into the sensitive areas. One, it needs to be really thick so it doesn't drip. Two, I don't want it to seem like it's like regular hair dye. Needs a fragrance. Three, has to be safe enough. How do I do that? How do I make something safe for down there? I then did some research and I found that there was a doctor who worked with hair color companies in the 70s and 80s that he was the main guy who would basically approve the carcinogenic aspect of removing whatever colors were cancer causing maybe. And I thought, he knows his shit. I call him up. His name is Jeffrey Cabot. And I call him up. And Does he know who you are? Is he like expecting your call or you're like, hey, no, I have some questions. No product. No, he has no idea. So I meet with him. I go, listen, I want to meet with you. You know, so I had this NDA. I met with him and I kind of pitched in, pitched in my ideas. And I said, I want to create something that it would be safe for your wife to use. And so I worked with him and I then wrote 10 color, manufa color uh, hair color manufacturers. 
Nobody called me back. They didn't know what my idea was. I just said, Hey, I have this idea. I need like a, a, a low minimum run. Uh, I don't know if this idea is going to fly, but I would really love to meet with you and experiment, you know, with my idea. One company called me back in, uh, in, uh, New Jersey. And I thought, okay, well, one company called me back. That's, that'll, that's fine. So I went to, uh, I went to New Jersey. I had my non-disclosure and I then by that time had come up with a couple ideas how I wanted the box. And my, I started to realize because it's such a personal area and we only have been conditioned to think of that area as personal, there's always something wrong with it. It's either having a period or it's too hairy or it's, you know, you need douche for it or a cleansing, you know, and I go, Mine's not going to be that. Mine is not for a problem. It's going to be a beauty anti-aging product. Now, this is in 2006. So there was no such thing as like anti-aging. There was no such And so um, I go to New New Jersey and um, I meet with the company. They sign it and I show them my idea. And I have blonde, brown, auburn, black and I thought, wouldn't it be fun to do like a fuchsia? Yes, I was just thinking that. I was like, well, what about pink? <laughs> oh yeah, literally the pink, the Fun Betty. We ended up calling. I named it Fun Betty. Ended up paying our rent like straight away. That's the thing that got us out of any debt was Fun Betty. Women were really using Fun Betty as an alternative to kind of have a great weekend with your husband or your partner. And then what was great is we could do an upsell where diet diet hot pink and then re-diet your natural color. So we were getting like, you know, yeah, a twofer. Um, so what I did was uh, I knew that if I were to get copied, I knew that what, what would be the smartest thing to do? And there's only really one way. And I wasn't going to use a real woman's body. I didn't want it to seem like it was a personal care. And when you see like a realistic body and it down there, there's graphically, it's really hard to do. So I thought I'm just going to use the triangle. And I thought everyone else is going to try and use the triangle and blah. So I thought, I wonder if I could copyright the triangle. Again, curiosity. This would solve a problem for competitors. They would never be able to use a shape. And so I did a little research and I found the guy who copyrighted the color brown for UPS. And I thought, if you can copyright a color, maybe you can copyright a shape met with him. I ended up probably my most expense, expensive stuff was copywriting down there, hair down there, color down there. And I was able to copyright the triangle. I feel like I've known you for years and this is like a huge success. I'm like so happy that you've copyrighted I, the triangle. I, and, and it's interesting because uh, just the other day there were, we were at Thanksgiving and there were some, you know, some people there. And they wanted to hear the story because they had like some ideas about, and they were very young, uh, some ideas. And I said, one of the smartest things I did was put some money into protecting your product, especially if you're the first product and there will be other people copying your product. 
I love this message of protecting your product. Yeah, protect your product. That's the takeaway from that that experience that you had is to protect your product. So with that though, with this taboo product, you know, like when I'm, I was reading, you know, I'm reading about your biography and I'm like, I'm getting prepared for this interview. Like talking to you makes me feel completely different about the product, right? But at first, when I hear about this product, I'm like, hmm, this makes me question like who determines the beauty standard, right? Like why do f- women feel the need to color their their hair down there? Like wh- why? You know, like, and I went through, and this is part of like something that I went as I came into motherhood, Nancy, was like, I remember when I was like pursuing having a vaginal delivery, like the first time I was like, oh my gosh, what if my vagina is ruined forever? My husband's never going to have pleasurable sex with me again because of my vagina being so whatever. And All valid. Yep. Right. Like, I mean, now my perspective on it after being a mother of three is like so drastically different. Like I have a lot more confidence in who I am as a woman beyond like just being like an object for sex, right? Right, right, right. You know, and I know like that my that my relationships are so much more deep than than just something as silly. It almost seems silly at this point that I would ever have considered it, but it's like a real thing. And to think that other women don't think that, I think it would be a huge lie. Like I think a lot of women think that. And I think a lot of women are insecure about the way that their genitalia look. I think that that's true. And at the same time, I want to know why, like, why, who is saying that? Why are we looking, seeking the approval of men? Are we, are we, are we making these decisions from a place of like sincerity and wholeness within ourselves? Like that's where, like, for me personally, I'm like, I want the pink dye instead of the one that colors grays or whatever. Like if I'm going to dye my hair blonde, um, because I like to have fun, right? It really, it made me think about who defines the standard of beauty. One thing that I do know is it's our own little milestones as we get older. And we found that when you turn gray, people, you know, the the gray roots is like a huge business. And that is within ourselves. Is it controlled by an environment out there that says you have to stay young? Yes, it does. But also we kind of feed into that because we also want to be young. And I think as, as we get older, there are these, these little, you know, elderly milestones. And I think that that's probably not the right way, you know, to describe it. But once we start to get gray hair, we start to see wrinkles. We feel good about when we take care of ourselves. And the confidence that comes from that. We had done uh, a, a focus group with a, a group called uh, Red Antler years ago. And we had people who had used the product. And we asked, what did you feel like? Nobody really sees down there. You know, people do see your, your roots on your head hair, so we can understand that. But when you use the product, what did it? how did it make you feel? What can you compare it to? And they said, it made me feel good that I was doing something for myself, much like getting a pedicure. And I thought that was really interesting, a pedicure. No one really sees it, but they feel good about doing that. Doing that. Um, a lot of our feedback, and I do a lot of, let's see what our customer says. And I think that's very important, very important because you can go down a path, which I did, that was the wrong path, and I had to, like, move the mountain of my company into a different direction once I found out certain things about the product and who was buying it and where. 
And that's also another point of focus. Know your product, know who needs it, and then shift it to where you can get it to those people. There was something that happened where people were getting you know, roots and gray hair. When they found a gray pubic hair, it sent them over the edge. It sent them into, oh my God, one, I didn't know that happened. Two, that has got to be one of these elderly milestones that is saying, I'm getting old. Like it, it came out of a surprise and we found that women were completely jarred by that. I think like the desire for youth is, has a lot to do with like our relationship with mortality, oh, you know, like with awesome. our existence, you know? And so we can on one hand say, oh yeah, you know, like, oh, you just want to look young and that's a, such a narcissistic no. thing. And that's so like, oh, like why can't you age gracefully and all these things that we hear out in the ether. But like really what this is, is like us coming to grips with the fact that like, we're not going to be here forever. Yeah. And, and when I, I, and that, that I guess those were the words that I was probably reaching for where I said elderly milestones. Yeah. We're like, oh my gosh, my hair's going great. My, my, my life, my yeah. life has years now that I can count. Yeah. You like know that's what? scary. It's very so true. let me find a way to bring a little bit more joy. Yeah. And we get limited. So let's say I used to be a roller skater. Like, you know, I grew up in Kansas. There was, you know, Salina, Kansas was the roller rink. I was really good. We would do it on Saturday nights. It was like a hang. I literally tried to roller skate about four years ago. Oh my gosh. Can't do it. So yeah, I can't do it either. And age and we have kind of like these aging, these aging milestones. We'll do what we can do. Someone might not be able to roller skate anymore or do a back bend, but what they certainly can do is cover their gray hairs. So I think also we will do what we can and capable of doing not only physically, but monetarily and what's an easy reach or what it is we can do. We can't turn back time on various things, but what we can do, I think we gravitate toward. We can create joy and we can create empowerment. You know what I mean? And that's ultimately what it comes down to. I know like when I look good, I, when I feel good, I look good. When I look good, I feel good. It's, you know, it's all like this big cycle. And you, I mean, and I've had this conversation so many times. It's like, why do we put braces on kids? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like we, I mean, like who cares if they have good, because we like to have, to look a certain way and to feel a certain way and to feel confident. And what, that's what it comes down to, right. Is feeling self-confident and, like whether or not anybody's seeing your hair down there, you know it. And it's interesting because I just did um, a poll for men and the men are the most insecure about going gray down there and just looking gray on their beards. You notice that there's a lot of premature gray on people when they grow beard, uh, uh, men, not women. And, And it is a physiological situation where there is a sheath on men's, uh, on their, uh, on their, on their face hair, like their beards, their chest hair and their pubic hair. And this sheath is what holds the color and that wears out faster than their head hair. And so that's why you might see, you can look at any, almost any celebrity or, you know, when that's who you mostly see, or you can see a man, you can see, you know, I'm sure you have friends where you're like, oh, their hair on their head is not as, as gray as their beard. And so 
we started to find out that men were using our product. And even though it was Betty colored for the hair down there, because men were dating again, people are dating again. So I thought, so I knew that there was a need for the men because right now just for men is really the only product and it is yeah. so harsh and you can't use it. You can barely use it on their facial hair and it looks horrible because it just looks like shoe polish. Well, ours looks natural because it's more of a, a safe product and it doesn't just like strip your hair and deposit the, the color. And that's why it looks, you know, like one color and people, men were starting to use it and we started to get letters or uh, letters, emails saying, thank you so much. The confidence of dating again. And so this has been going on, you know, for a while. So I decided I want to do a men's product just for them. And so recently I did a, one of my focus groups and I found that the men wanted to feel more confident and they felt so old. Talk about women feeling old across the boards were hard numbers that true hard numbers about men feel really old when they have so much gray in their hair and men are grained much faster than women. And so I did it by age. I did it by location, beard, chest, their, you know, their pubic hair and even their, their beard hair having it be so gray bothers them, but they also want to have the gray hair. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. They also want to have the facial hair. Right. And you see what their answers were and you're almost like, Oh my God, they're really insecure. And they too want to be as anti, you know, aging and having these elderly milestones. But unfortunately they get them much faster than women. I just really believe you'll do what you can. There's some, you can't age back enough to be able to take, you know, do what you once used to do, but you go and you do a reach of what you can do to make you feel great. Well, Nancy, thank you so much. We're running out of time. I feel like I could, I could just talk to you forever. I would love to talk to you again. I'm here. I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to just like get to know you on this show and oh. to like share your wealth of knowledge with my listener base. I, I love questions. I love any kind of question. So if they have any questions for you, I'm, more than happy to come. Let's back do home. a follow-up interview where we do a, yeah. a Q and A. Let's do that. Questions. Yeah, they can ask me anything. All right, I'm here for it, Nancy. Thank you so hey, so much. You. Can't thank wait you. to chat again. All right, that would be great. Thank you so much. This podcast was brought to you by Sana Skin Studio. Be sure to use my code the No Glow for twenty five dollars off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. More than a skin studio, Sana is a movement towards healthier skin and self love. Thank you so much for listening to the No. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams.